congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we read in verse 1 of our scripture reading that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around the Lord Jesus to hear him. Now, tax collectors and sinners, those are the people that were despised by the regular Jews. They had already since long been regarded as the scum of the nation. They were excommunicated from the Jewish religion. They were cast out from their society. They were not allowed into the temple or in any synagogue. The people would shun them and treat them with utter contempt. And on a human level, all this is not so surprising. We can probably understand this. What were tax collectors all about? Well, they were the men who collected the outrageous high taxes for the Roman oppressors. And then to add insult to injury, they added their own substantial fee to it in order to enrich themselves on the account of their own people. The bad people, those tax collectors. And with sinners, I meant people who openly lived in sin. Now, just think about how you regard people like drug dealers, prostitutes, drunks, pickpockets, and, and the like. Let's be honest. We, too, would do everything to avoid people like that, people like, in our text, tax collectors and sinners. They were bad people. But again, that's on, that's on a human level. We forget so easily that people like tax collectors and sinners still do have a conscience. And more often than not, a guilty conscience. And that they too know deep in their heart that they are on a journey towards eternity. So they need the gospel very much. You see, in the kingdom of God, things are much different. Tax collectors and sinners are in the kingdom of God not ignored or shunned. In our text, those sinners and tax collectors, they came with their guilty conscience to listen to the Lord Jesus. And you know, he did not turn his back to them. He did not send them away either. And so they wanted to listen to him. Why? Most likely because the Lord Jesus told them, they called them to repentance and told them that upon repentance that they would have full forgiveness of sins. And that brought new hope to, to them. Living in Israel, all hope was gone. They were shunned by God's people. They were cast out. But hope was there. And here comes this new teacher from Nazareth who claimed to be the son of God. And he had a totally different message. And so after they heard him they, they kept on coming. That is what actually in the original 
language it says, not just that they, that they came to him, but they kept on coming. You want to hear him again? Now, that was not at all to the liking of Israel's spiritual leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They, they thought by themselves, what true Israelite being in his right mind would allow tax collectors and all sorts of sinners to be near her or him? And then look at this Jesus. They didn't get it. And so they grumbled. As a matter of fact, it's also said that they kept on grumbling. They actually said, this man keeps on receiving sinners and eats with them. Well, that's a glorious truth, but they didn't mean it that way. The Lord Jesus, who on other occasions had dealt rather harshly with the Pharisees, does not do so this time. But with three parables, he he shows the, the, the spiritual leaders of Israel how far away they were from their calling as spiritual leaders of the people. With those parables, the Lord tried to show them the error of their race in order that they may repent of their sin of despising sinners. That's the sin. So, that they would instead show them grace and tell them about repentance and forgiveness of sins. So with his first two little parables, the one of the lost sheep and the other one of the lost coin, the Lord showed the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that their view of sinners among their fellow Israelites, among their fellow covenant people, was very much at odds with God's view about them. God is like that good shepherd who goes out of his way to find the lost sheep. And when he finds it, he rejoices greatly. Or he is like that woman who lost a coin and turns everything upside down to find it back. And again, when she finds it, she rejoices and invites her friends to rejoice with her. And so there is joy in heaven. Yes, even the angels rejoice over each sinner who repents. Now, these two parables not only show that sinners are to be sought and brought back into the kingdom of God, but also the great joy in heaven about each one of them. And then if that is that joy in heaven, then it should be in his church here on earth too. But it, that joy will not be there if, if, if nobody goes out to seek and to find those who are lost. Then we come to our passage in the parable of the prodigal, or I would rather say the lost son. Uh, The Lord goes into more detail of how that repentance of lost members of his people 
of sinners takes place. Well, at the same time, he illustrates the abiding love of our Heavenly Father for his wandering children in a deeply moving way. And I will preach the word of God to you from this parable under the team. God the Father loves his wandering children. And then in this parable, we of course see that his love goes out first of all to his lost son and then also to his angry son. First then, let's look at that lost son. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He had wasted, he had squandered it all, that younger son. He had demanded his part of the inheritance and he had received it. And so happily, he had left home. Ah, freedom. Finally, he would get away from his father's watching eyes away from working within his father's farm, and so to a faraway country he had gone to begin the good life. Nothing his heart desired, he had withheld from himself, and too late, much too late, he had discovered that happiness, bought with money, becomes harder to find and more expensive every day. So there came a day that was all gone, and, and he had to go find a job. Feeding pigs, of all things. But still nothing to eat for himself. He got so hungry that pig food started to look good to him. And so he, you could say he hit rock bottom, hard. And we read it in our passage. His misery brought him to his senses, and so... He remembered home. His father's servants had plenty to eat and he was starving from hunger. He realized that he had not only wasted his whole inheritance, but he had also lost any right to be treated as a member of the family. And so, desperate and starving, he comes to the point that he decides to go back home. Humble himself before his father, confess his wrongs, and ask his father to hire him as a servant. And that's how we find him in verse 21. Before his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, if we would not have already read the whole story in a scripture reading, we might well have expected this son lying on his father's feet begging him, or maybe standing before his father with his head down, fighting his fear, his shame, and his desperate tears. We could not have been more wrong, because when this son meets his father, we find him of all places in his father's arms. You see, this father had never been able to forget his wayward son. It's always on his mind. His son, as disloyal as he was, had been able yet to leave his father's house, but he had not been able to leave his father's heart. And so we can imagine that father looking over the fields and, and down the road for his son and 
for how long already? Well, long enough for his father to consider that his son could very well be dead. But he kept looking out for his beloved child. Most likely every day again. And, and then one, one day in a far distance, he sees someone is coming. And if it's not his eyes yet, the love of his father's heart knows that is my son. That's my son. And his love and his compassion stirs him into action and he runs towards his son. His arms stretched out towards him. And meeting him, he throws his arms around his son and he passionately kisses him time and again. That's what it says in the Greek. He kept on kissing him. And what an awesome picture. Here the Lord Jesus shows us, brothers and sisters, of our heavenly Father's love for lost sinners, wandering children. From within his embrace, he hears the son of his voice, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Not worthy to be my son? The father won't even let him finish his plea. And with his son still in his arms, he turns towards his servant, his servants, and he says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Not worthy to be my son. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. So what a moving picture, brothers and sisters, of a father's love for his wayward son. But the awesome and comforting encouragement is that this father in the parable is your heavenly father. It's your heavenly father. This is how your heavenly father feels about his wayward children. And it's true, not everyone here has had a past like this lost son had. But it is just as true that we, all of us here, are sinners. And that all of us, because of our sinful nature, do come into situations in which we, like this lost son, do not feel worthy to be called a son or a daughter of our Heavenly Father. Maybe there is someone here right now who, who feels that way. Can be those times that you can't really pray. You've been doing something that you was you knew you were that was wrong. Kept on doing it, and and then yeah, those moments you start from well, let's stop it now. I can't go on like this. And there is a little voice in you. Yeah, but what would you do then? Go 
pray to God. He's angry with you. He don't have anything to do with you. Might as well spruce yourself up first a little bit. In the meantime, you can't really pray. Your prayers have become only routine and formal. Why? Because sin has come between your heavenly father and you. But still, at the same time, deep in your heart, you crave for him. And you really wish that you could return to him, that you could be close to him again. But there are no sins. There's a wall between you and him. And you see, and then, like I said, then there is often a tendency to clean up your life a bit. I will do this, and I will not do that anymore. I will read the Bible a little bit more, and I will pray more, and I will try keeping the commandments a little bit better, and so on, and maybe then, maybe then you feel ready to go back to your Heavenly Father. Maybe then God is more willing to accept you again. And what an exercise of futility it proves to be every time again. Doesn't work. Never works. Your heavenly father, you see, do not need you to look presentable again. But he wants you to come to him as you are, filthy, unworthy. Father, I am unworthy. Human fathers may want their lost children to spruce up before they come back to him just to show that they will do better from now on. But thank the Lord. What a different picture does the Lord Jesus gives us, or gives you here, of God the Father. God the Father is like the Father in the parable. He sees you while you're still a long way off. You're still a long way off. You're not really ready to meet him at all. But he sees you. He has his eye on you. He could... He never forgets about you. You're constantly on his mind. So before, in the parable, the son can make any attempt to make himself somewhat presentable, the father runs towards him and to embrace him, filthy as he is. And in the same way, God our Father reaches out to every wayward child of him that sets his foot upon the road back to him. Congregation, this father is your father. This is his love. You may at times not realize it, but you do not have to have any doubt about him. Our Lord and Savior who knew his father, said so himself. He knew his father. He said it once. No one knows the father except the son and those whom the son chooses to reveal him. And this morning, the Lord Jesus chooses to reveal the father with his infinite love for his wandering children to you. For every father loves 
No, not that his children wander, but he does love his wandering children. And he always, and at any time, is ready to welcome them back with open arms. And I'm sure that this is not the first time that you hear this parable. And you may have heard also many sermons about the parable, this parable before. But is it not true, brothers and sisters, that to the heart of a wandering sinner, this is such great and comforting news time and again? Are we not all like sheep prone to wander? Or, or is, are you the only exception? Sheep who don't wander. Sheep are prone to wander. So if one, then one day you find yourselves, one way or another, wandered away from the Heavenly Father, then do not polish yourself up. Do not attempt to clean yourself up first in order to be acceptable to him. You will be busy with that all your life and you will never be acceptable to him. Not in your mind at least. You will never can make, you're never able to make yourself as clean as you know you have to be. Just go. Go. That's what, that's what the Father wants. He loves you. Just set out to watch your father, whom you have left, from you, for whom your heart still yearns. Father, I have sinned. Father, Father, I have spoiled it all. I ignored you so long. I took you for, for granted for years. I'm living a sinful life, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son and your daughter. Mr. Father, be still, my child. I have always loved you. My heart never stopped yearning for you. Yes, you might object and say, what about my wandering away from him, my sins? What about cleaning myself up somewhat? Hear them in the parable, what the father does. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. So who is better of cleaning you up than your heavenly father? His grace is amazing. His love is infinite. He freely gives not some but complete forgiveness of all of your sins. Not just a new but the best robe. Not some but all of his love. He does not leave you by yourself when you seek him, but he runs to meet you, to embrace you with everlasting arms, to carry you close to his heart. No, nobody has any reason to despair of God's mercy or to continue his sin. Hear the voice of the Father, come now. The other places in Scripture you hear the voice of your father. He says, come now, let us reason together. 
En door je zin zal ik scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. Door de red light crimson, they shall be as wool. And then again, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And again, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Yes, our, our hearts can at times be heavy with guilt. It becomes so tired from wandering, so hopeless. And then Satan keeps on whispering in your ears that you are no longer worthy. But the gospel is that your father's compassion never fail, that they are new every morning. And he has sent his son to reveal his love for you. In the midst of your by sin broken world, your heavenly father places his only begotten son in whom he was well pleased, but on the cross. Why? So that you never need to doubt his love. You never need to feel hopeless. Never need to feel abandoned. No matter how little or how much you wandered away from him. You only have to return to him. Well, it's even better. You only have to turn to him. And look at him. Open your heart so he can see what's in it. Such a great joy in heaven over sinners who repent. And note that in the parable, the joy is not only in heaven, but that the son who had left and got lost fully shares in that joy. And so you too, you may sit at a table with the father and fully restored, celebrate and, and enjoy the abundant riches of the father's house, such as the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, things like peace like a river, an inheritance with glory outweighs any light and momentary trouble. And the assurance that nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus your Lord. No eyes see, no Ear is heard, no mind is conceived what God is prepared for those who love him. This is the message to his returning children. To his returning children, he says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord the God of Israel who summons you by your name. That's the love of the father for his lost sons and daughters. And how can we not love such a father? 
But then again, the, the father's love also extends to his angry son. As you know, I'm going to look at it in our second point. Verse 25 of our passage, we meet the older son. He comes from his work in the field. Coming close to the house, he hears the music and the dancers dancing, and he wonders what's going on. And soon a servant tells him that all that celebration is because his lost brother has come home again. And then he becomes so angry that he refuses to go into the house. He is not going to have anything to do with that lousy brother of him. You see, there is his father, and his father loves him too. He hears about the reaction of his angry son, and he immediately interrupts his celebration, goes outside of the house, and pleads with his son. But son is too angry. He snapped at his father and he sneers, Look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of you came home who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the father calf. So what about this son, brothers and sisters? It's obvious that the Lord Jesus pointed with this son to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who grumbled when the Lord kept on welcoming sinners and ate with them. See, the son of God had come into the world, he said, to do the will of his father. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could not believe that this could be the will of the Father. They considered themselves true Israelites, faithful believers. They considered themselves the people that, that followed the law to a T. And they despised sinners and came and kept away from him, have nothing to do with those filthy people in the world either. They did everything to keep themselves pure. And now they did fully expect that God in a special way would honor them for that. They, they deserved this, did they not? They fully expected that God would continually bless them already here and now. But they're not more than entitled to it. So sadly, to them the salvation had become the payment for their good works. They deserved recognition. And when then the Lord Jesus, claiming to be the Son of God appears and welcomes sinners and eats and celebrates with sinners instead of with them, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are offended. Like the son in the parable. They had labored and served God all of their lives and where was their reward and payment? Sitting there eating and drinking with sinners. 
so sad because with all this, they did not realize that although being sons, they acted like they were servants in the father's house. They wanted to get awarded. They wanted to get paid now. They were self-righteous. They did not they did not need grace. They deserved payment. They expected blessing. They pursued righteousness of the law, but they had not realized yet that with all their religious seal, they hadn't attained any righteousness. To be always with the Father was not enough for them. To have all the promises and the blessings of sonship did not count. They wanted payment now. And honor and recognition now. People should be able to see that they are faithful believers by the blessings that God pours out upon them. According to them, the Lord Jesus, if he really came from God, he would have condemned these task collectors and sinners, and he would have praised them for their zeal. They considered those who followed the Lord Jesus, those tax collectors and, and sinners, to be a mob that knew nothing about the law and that were cursed. Terrible is it not, brothers and sisters, to in this way be a stranger and also an enemy of God's grace for sinners. Enemies of grace are in the end enemies of God. So must we not always and vigilantly watch out for that spirit which occupied the minds and the hearts of the Pharisees. You see, that comes so natural to all of us to feel more entitled and entitled to more because of what we are. Are we not faithful, reformed Christians after all? Those who wander away feel so quickly that they no longer belong to the Father. And therefore not to us either. Those who for a longer time live in sin, whatever that sin may be, well, we, we, we tend to leave them alone. We try not to get involved with them. We want to, li to live a decent life. So we leave them alone. It's not supposed to be so in the kingdom of heaven. If anything is clear from the parable, it's that. See, most of us have been richly blessed from our very youth. We have been with the Father all of our lives. We were baptized. We were raised with the gospel truth from our youth. We have been trained and, inst and instructed in the, in the doctrines of the Christian life. And we have followed the Lord's commandment as well as we could. For in the end, nobody is perfect. We have lived as decently as we could manage. 
And now there is that question that each one of us must ask ourselves, are we now not just a little tiny bit better, dearer to our Heavenly Father than someone who in the past has left him, left the church to live a horrible, filthy life and at long last has returned? Does the Father just love us not a little bit more? I pray that everyone here heartily says no to that question and rejoices in a grace that is greater than the greatest sinner. Rejoices in a love that transcends all unfaithfulness and rejoices in the return of those who have so messed up but come with the broken pieces of their lives before their father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and the longer worthy to be called your son. May it be that such gives us all a great reason to join the Father in celebration. But the older brother, in our parable, he did not want to celebrate. He rather stood outside of his father's house. See, that is the only choice then. It's either in or out. In with sinners. Outside with the righteous who don't need forgiveness of sins. The father came outside, he loved them, he tenderly pleaded with him and treated with him. And his son, no, he actually he was more tender yet. He actually said, My child, my child, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad because this your brother was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he is found. See that awesome love that this father has also for that angry, righteous son. And this father is our father. And this is his love for his wandering children. Also for a child that wanders into the perilous desert of self-righteousness and entitlement. So many have died forever. Father loves every one of us enough to call back, to call them inside. Come, let's celebrate. And it is here that the Lord stops the parable. He, He doesn't tell us what the older brother did. Did he go with his father inside to celebrate? Or did he choose to remain outside? You see, it was up to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to provide that answer. And this morning it is up to each one of us here to answer this question personally. Inside to celebrate or outside with those who are angry about grace to watch horrible people. From the Bible we know that some indeed went inside and joined the celebration. There was Nicodemus, there was Joseph of Arimathea and later on the, the Apostle Paul. They went inside conquered by the Father's love 
to celebrate the return of those who were lost. Many others would stand around the cross later, jeering, mocking, his blood come upon us and our children, crucify him. So they remained outside the father's house, maybe, maybe forever. What's your answer? To be angry, to become an enemy of grace for lost sinners, or to rejoice and celebrate to be like your father and welcome even the grossest and the meanest sinner who repent. So, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus sets before you this morning in a most wonderful way the love of his, but also your father for his wandering children. He loves you. And he longs for the return of his wandering children, no matter if they wandered off to the left into the world, or they wandered off into the right in self-righteousness. He wants them to return. He yearns for them. He desires to embrace them all. He wants to celebrate with all of them, for he loves them so much. Are you resist this love? Or are you willing to share that love with those who wander? Maybe you're one of those who wander sometimes to the left and sometimes to the right. If you find yourself wandered, just remember, he loves you. He's on the lookout for you. He wants to celebrate your return to him. Amen.